This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, hello. I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you today. Thanks to Pastor Aaron for going on vacation and giving me this chance to speak. Um, but uh, I've really, really been praying about this message. And not that I don't pray about all the messages, but this particular one, I feel like I have wrestled to the ground. And I think for, for good reason, because I think God has some very important things to speak to us today. And what I have in my heart today are two kind of burning questions. And these are those questions. And I want to talk about the critical balance of wisdom and faith. But these are questions. How do I walk in faith without wrecking my life? And how do I walk in wisdom without drifting into mediocrity? How do I walk in faith without wrecking my life? How do I walk in wisdom without drifting into mediocrity? You know, there's a lot of social pressure out there today. You see somebody post on Facebook or Instagram and they're like, yeah, just sold everything we own. Now we're hitchhiking with our kids and our dog around the country spreading the message of Jesus. Hashtag real faith, right? And it's like, and it makes you feel like, uh, wow, well, I guess my faith is like nothing, right? I mean, should I be, should we, should we sell our house and do, you know, should we? No, we don't even like our dog, much less to be hitchhiking with him, right? And there's that pressure, right? And you feel that and there's this sense of like, what really is faith and what really is wisdom? Because there is a critical balance that we must learn how to navigate in our lives with wisdom and faith. Because if we get this balance wrong, we can find ourselves off the edge and reckless or we can find ourselves just languishing in, in mediocrity. And we don't want either of those. God doesn't want either of those for our lives. Hebrews eleven six says this. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. Faith is an essential piece of following God. Proverbs 4, 5 through 7 says this. Get wisdom, get understanding, Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom and she will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom and whatever else you get, get understanding. Wisdom is a huge piece of our life of faith. Is uh, is Pastor Matt here today? He's on vacation. Oh, good. This is great. I had a conversation with Pastor Matt. He's our youth pastor here. And we were out in the lobby and we both recognized something about ourselves. We're both very generous people. As if you didn't know that by looking at us. But I mean, we uh, actually, to a fault, honestly, we are the kind of guys that would like, you know, give the shirt off our back or, or give somebody our car. And then we get home and our wife is like, I needed the car. You know, like, why didn't you call me? You know, oh, yeah, my wife needs to be part of this conversation, right? And my great, the great sage, who is my brother-in-law, MichaelRollins12 at gmail.com, he, uh, he had this wisdom to share with me, and I'm gonna share it with all of you young men, all of you old men. This is wisdom for the ages, and it uh, goes a little bit like this. Wise words, truer words may never have been spoken, Right? But what I was, what we love to do is walk in faith, right? Me and Pastor Matt. But something says we need to be wise about the choices that we make. 
And as I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a book that I read a few years ago. It's called Just Courage. And it's by a guy named Gary Hogan. And Gary is the founder and president of the International Justice Mission. And these guys are doing amazing things around the world to set people free from all kinds of slavery. Because slavery is a real thing, guys. It's not something back in the 1800s. There are more slaves today than there have been in all of history. That is crazy, guys. But Gary Hogan, International Justice Mission, they're doing a great work to set people free. I love that. But he tells a story about how his father showed love to them by taking he and his brothers on excursions. They would go and they would hike trails or they would climb mountains. And there was a particular time where they went to climb Mount Rainier. And Mount Rainier, if you've ever seen it or seen it in pictures, it is a giant mass of, of rock, a mountain that shoots out of the landscape. It's so big that it actually even creates its own weather system. It's that big. And they drove up this particular day up to the highest point to which you could drive. It's called the Paradise Visitor Center. And they were enjoying the scenic vistas and all of the trails around there, the wildflowers. And then they went to the visitor center and there's all kinds of cool exhibits of climbers that have gone before them. But things made a turn for the worse for little 10-year-old Gary when his brothers and his dad decided that, you know what, we're going to go off the beaten path. I think we're going to go climb higher than just the paved trails. And this is the story that Gary tells. I want to read it to you in his words. He said, at the top of the meadow trails, however, the paved trail ended and the large warning sign indicated the beginning of the trail used by climbers on their way to the summit. With a text undoubtedly drafted by lawyers, the sign warned of every conceivable horror that awaited those who ventured beyond. I wasn't feeling particularly tired, but my little stomach ached as I looked at the massive rock formations and snow fields that went up and up and up. My dad suggested we try to reach Camp Muir, the base camp used by climbers heading for the summit. And my brothers eagerly accepted. Dad assured me I could make it, that he would help me, and that the view and the triumph would be more than worth the effort, and that it would be marvelous to do together. I, however, was thinking that we ought to pay more attention to the lawyers who took the time to make that nice sign, right? After all, all manner of things could go wrong. What if dad is wrong and I can't make it? It will be so humiliating to be the one who needs help again. And what if dad doesn't even know the way up there? What if, what if it becomes too aggravating for him to come and help me and I get stuck? And with these mounting anxieties beating in my little chest, I responded the only way a 10-year-old can to such a proposition and simply said, no, that looks boring. And so by some miracle, his dad allowed him to stay in the gift shop all day. Different day and age, right? <laughs> this 10-year-old wandering around the gift shop, and this is how he told it. The visitor center was warm and comfortable with lots of interesting things to watch and read. I devoured the information and explored every corner, and judging by the crowd, it was clearly the place to be. As the afternoon stretched on, however, the massive visitor center started to feel awfully small. The warm air felt stuffy and the stuffed wild animals started to seem just dead. The inspiring loop vi videos about extraordinary people who climbed the mountain weren't as interesting the sixth and seventh times. And they made me wish I could be one of those actually climbing the mountain instead of reading about it. I felt bored, sleepy, and small. And I miss my dad. I was totally stuck 
totally safe, but totally stuck. And after the longest afternoon of my 10-year-old life, dad and my brothers returned flushed with their triumph. Their faces were red from the cold and their eyes were clear with delight. And truth be told, I went on the trip and missed the adventure. And 34 years later, I still remember the day at the visitor center. And what I wanna talk about today is this critical balance of faith and wisdom. And I wanna give us seven guideposts that are gonna help us get the balance right. And I promise you, you, you hear seven, you're like, oh no, please. I'm hungry already. No, I promise we're gonna move through these quickly. But I wanna give you these things because it is so important that we get this right because both of these things are very important, but sometimes they can feel like they don't fit in the same life, <laughs> okay? But the first thing you need to know is number one, there are notes on the back of the review if you wanna fill in the blanks. Faith gets you out of the gift shop. Wisdom gets you safely to the summit. A step of faith moves you out of the comfort and the status quo of your life, and wisdom keeps you on the path as you go. I mean, think about it. Little Gary, his dad is wise. He's been on these adventures with him. He understands that his dad is not going to leave him there on the mountain, lead him astray. And yet, because he is afraid, he cannot take that leap of faith. And so he misses the adventure. But let's reverse the roles for a second and let's think about if the brothers and Gary's dad stay in the visitor center and they're just wandering around and little Gary, a 10 year old boy with lots of zeal and faith says, you know what, I'm gonna go climb that mountain. I have enough faith in myself and faith in my abilities. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the step. Would that be wise? No, it would be very foolish because a 10 year old navigating the steep cliffs and the rocky crevices and all that it would not be very smart of him to do that. In fact, his faith would lead him to foolishness. And there is a limit to wisdom. And sometimes we follow wisdom so far that it's really just cloaking fear. And sometimes we, we follow faith a little bit too early and what it's really cloaking is foolishness. And that's the balance we wanna get right. You know, there is a story in Numbers chapter 14, and it is one of the most tragic stories in the history of the Israelites. And the story goes something like this. They had wandered around in the wilderness, and they were coming to this place where God was saying, go to the promised land, take it, it's yours. And so they send 10 spies out. And these 10 spies go around for 40 days, and they look, and they survey the land, and then they come back. And the reports come in and eight of the spies say, oh, it's a beautiful land full of everything we would need, but we cannot go because those enemies are too strong. Our army cannot defeat them. And then there were two young men, Joshua and Caleb, who said, wait, hold on. God told us to go. God has already broken down their defenses. Let's go. It's time. And all the people of Israel rose up in an uproar and said, no. We want to listen to the, to the eight. We can't go. No, we need to listen to their wisdom, right? And because they listened to the wisdom of the eight and not the wisdom of God, what they were really doing was being afraid. And because of their fear, they suffered the consequences. What were those consequences? God pronounced a judgment upon them and said, you, for every day that those spies spent in Israel, 
you will spend a year wandering again in the wilderness. Right here on the cusp of going to the promised land. You were almost there. You could taste it. You could smell the milk and honey, as they say, right? But no, you will now wander around because you did not trust me. Because you mistook wisdom for fear. You thought, you thought it was it was going to be wise to stay and not go, but you disobeyed. And now you're going to wander around in the desert. And no one in this generation, not Moses, not Aaron, no one will enter the promised land. The next generation will receive that blessing. And so the next day, the children of Israel got up and they said, no, no, God, wait, wait. I know you pronounce this verdict, but um, we're going to go fight him today. We're actually going to gather up right now. Come on, guys, grab your swords. Let's go fight him. Uh, uh, you over there, let's go. And they went And God said, do not do it. Don't go. No, God, we're going to make it up to you. We don't want to wander in the desert for 40 more years, please. And they went. And what happened? They got defeated. They they had this rising up of some kind of faith. And then they're like, no, we're going to have faith. We're going to do it. But their faith was foolishness. Because once again, they were disobeying God. And where in our lives are we getting mixed up? Where in our lives are are we piling up wisdom but really just we're afraid. And where are we going and doing and walking in faith, but it's really foolishness. Because see, a little faith would have gotten them out of the wilderness. And a little wisdom would have guided them safely to the promised land. But the consequences are real of getting the balance wrong. Number two is faith is not dead, wisdom is not irrelevant. See, none of us live without faith. We think of faith as a, as a religious thing or not religious thing, but faith is actually a part of the human psyche. See, we among all the species of the world, all the species of animals that God created, we are the only ones who have an ability to envision a future that is different from our past or present. And the means by which we envision that future is called faith. So, It's not that we disagree about whether faith is real or not. We actually, what we disagree upon is the source of our faith, the root of our faith. And wisdom is not irrelevant. Godly wisdom is not irrelevant. We all live according to a wisdom that we believe to be true. But look at the world today. Does anybody know the answer to the healthcare problem? Does anybody know the answer to how to keep Iran from making nuclear weapons? We, in our great human understanding and reasoning, we don't understand the cure to cancer, right? There is a greater need for godly wisdom in our world today than there ever has been. And God needs people who will seek him. He said he would give. If you would ask for wisdom, if you need it, Ask, and I will give to you abundantly without finding fault, without holding your, your faults against you. I will give it to you. God needs people full of godly wisdom. Faith is more alive than ever. Wisdom is more relevant than ever. And I love, I love how Bill Hybels puts this. He says, he's a pastor of a great church in Chicago. He says, the local church is still the hope of the world. 
The local church is still the means by which God has chosen to bring his kingdom to bear on this earth, to share the message of love of Jesus Christ. The local church is that. Guys, who better to be part of the conversation of pivotal things that are happening in our world? Who better to be leading our nation? Who better to be leading our corporations than people who are committed to seeking godly wisdom and not just their own? Who better? Guys, the local church, you and me, Christ's followers are the hope of the world. And that's not because we have enough. That's because Christ in us is enough. That is the hope of the world. Who better? Wisdom is not irrelevant. Faith is not dead. Number three, faith and wisdom are centered around risk. And this one for me is very uh, important because oftentimes we find faith and wisdom seeming like they're oil and water. Like they don't quite fit together. Because faith, the essence of faith is risk. The essence of faith is stepping out in the unknown. But the essence of wisdom is to minimize the risk. So how do we put these things together that just don't seem to fit? And recently I read through the book of Daniel. And I love the way that Daniel finds a balance for wisdom and faith in his life. And there's a story in Daniel chapter one. See, the Babylonians had conquered Israel and they had brought some of their best, brightest, best looking young men to Babylon and they were gonna train them in leadership. They were gonna train them the way that they had trained their best and brightest Babylonian children. And Daniel, and there were three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you may have heard of them, but they came And they were going to be given the greatest education. They were going to eat from the king's table all the food that he had to offer. And Daniel and these other three young men sat there and they said, you know what? This food that the king is going to feed us is not actually allowed in our faith. God has commanded us not to eat some of these. So we are going to take a risk And request that we be fed vegetables and drink water for a certain period of time. But Daniel knew that in doing this, he was risking his life. But here's what it says in Daniel 1, verse 8. It says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. And this may just seem like, this is one of those scriptures that I've probably read over 10 times and I didn't think about it. But listen, this is the crux. This is the crux of wisdom and faith right here. Daniel resolved, meaning that he was about to take a step of faith, that he would not defile himself with the king's food because godly wisdom told him that he didn't need to eat that food. See, Daniel was risking his life in this request, but he was guarding against a greater risk of compromising God's command. And for you and for me, the wise step of faith often requires us to make a temporary risk in order to save ourselves from risking something even greater. Godly wisdom, steps of faith. It takes faith to walk in wisdom. A person who walks in godly wisdom, though, confidently walks in faith. And there's this symbiotic relationship between faith and wisdom. Daniel, here's the result of the story though. Daniel chapter one, verse 17 through 20. I love this. He says, God gave these four men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. 
Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of that time, the king had said to present them. The chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are the other names of Shabrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they began to serve in the king's court. Listen, this is beautiful. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them 10 times better than all the diviner priests and mediums in his entire kingdom. Babylon was one of the most secular, godless kingdoms that had ever reached the face of the earth. And yet, who were the wisest among the most well-trained in the whole empire? Who was it? It was these young men who had sought godly wisdom. You, let's go back to number two. You want to say that God's wisdom is irrelevant? It is not. If we seek godly wisdom, we can be relevant in a secularized world, in a world that is falling farther and farther away from God. It doesn't matter. Those who seek godly wisdom will have wisdom that is 10 times greater than that of anyone else. And this is, a, this is true. It's not just some Bible story. This is real. Seeking godly wisdom. Number four, faith and wisdom are unconcerned with comfort. Pastor Chip talked about it last week. He talked about our being content in Christ regardless of our circumstances. It was a great message. Regardless of our level of comfort, Jesus is calling us to be content in him. I love this this quote from an author and writer that I follow, his name's Todd Henry, and he says this, the love of comfort is the enemy of greatness. Man, you can live on that one right there. The love of comfort is the enemy of greatness. And then there's this little chart that I found that I feel like describes it so well, because oftentimes when our comfort is the greatest, we have the least amount of desire for change, right? But in order to change and get outside of that, as our desire for change increases, oftentimes our comfort decreases. Wisdom and faith and walking in these things, they're not concerned with comfort. I'm not saying that you can't be comfortable. I'm not saying that you should be some kind of ascetic, which is meaning shunning all material goods or all comfort to follow God. I'm not, God's not asking that of you. But walking in wisdom is not always doing the easy thing. Walking in wisdom is not concerned with you first being comfortable. And walking in faith, the decision to step out in faith should not be fully decided upon based upon whether you will be comfortable or not. That should not be the, the last deciding factor. Wisdom and faith are unconcerned with comfort. Number five, Faith and wisdom should be pursued together. You know, Jen and I, my wife and I, we have three kids and we made a, a decision about a year ago to move out of Texas. We grew up here in Hendersonville and we decided to move from Texas where we had served for about 12 years in ministry there and we decided to move back to Hendersonville. And it was a big step of faith for us. And the time leading up to that, we were really seeking God for wisdom. We felt something stirring, but we didn't have this clarity of like when or how it was going to happen. 
But in our hearts, what we really wanted to do is we wanted to leave wisely. We wanted to leave in respect, being very respectful of the leadership there, being very respectful of the the teams that we were leading as well. We wanted to leave at the right time. We wanted to be wise with our finances. We wanted to be ready. And so as we began to pray about it, we felt like the time frame of late summer, early fall 2014 was kind of in our hearts. Like, and the reason that was there is because we felt like that was the point at which if we stayed, we could have been very, very comfortable. We could have stayed for another five or six years, unless they were going to fire us. I don't know about that. But it, we could have stayed for another five or six years and it would have been very comfortable. But there was a point at which wisdom turned into fear. No longer would we be staying because we were wise. We'd be staying because we were afraid. And on the other side of that, we could have left, honestly, a year before that. In faith, we could have stepped out, but that faith would have been foolishness because we wouldn't have been financially prepared and we would have left the church in a really bad spot. We would have left the leadership floundering and our teams floundering. We didn't want to do that. But what I, what I really want to drive home with you today is that I'm not here to tell you where that line exists for you, where that point in time exists for you, but I just want to tell you that it exists. That there is a critical hinge point in these important decisions in your life where wisdom and faith align. And this is the truth. The life that honors God is lived at the intersection of faith and wisdom. The life that honors God is lived at the intersection of faith and wisdom. Full of faith, full of extravagant trust in God, but also full of godly wisdom and knowledge. Taking care of those things that God has entrusted to us. Being good stewards of the time and and resources that he has given us. And this balance is critical. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? For all of us, it is critical that we seek out this balance. Number six is this. Everything rises and falls on the anchor of your faith and the source of your wisdom. Have you ever heard someone say, consider the source? I, I actually, uh, we bought a home and it was a wreck. It was really a, like, the floors were falling through and all this stuff. It was crazy. I mean, looking back at it later, we were like, what were we thinking? Actually thinking we could do this, but we decided we wanted to embark on this renovation, you know? So we spent six months renovating this home. Finally, we were kind of finished with the inside at least. And we were, we were excited to move in. But throughout this time, I watched more hours of YouTube than I've ever watched in my whole life. Okay. And there were times where I pulled it up and it was, hey, Rick's Redneck Renovation. Come on, I'll tell you how to jack up your house. You know, and I'm like under the house like, okay, Rick. Yeah, yeah, man, I got it. Um, And then this wise thought comes to my head. Consider the source before you put yourself underneath your house. Trusting Rick's Redneck Renovations, you know. Subscribe, yes. Uh, But... I also get myself in trouble in this way too because I, I, I kind of have this thought of like I see something that someone builds or on Pinterest, it's horrible, I know. But I see it and I'm like, oh, I could do that. 
Yeah, and then I get in way over my head. Anybody in here can testify to that. And your wife's like, I thought you said it would take two hours, you know? And you're like, hey, uh, he didn't show me all the steps, all right? You know? <laughs> he wasn't working in these conditions. But you consider the source. Who is your faith in? Is your faith anchored in something that's immovable? Is your faith anchored in yourself and your ability to MacGyver your way out of something? Something, is your faith anchored in your ability to reason things out? I love science. I believe God created science to help us understand the world we live in. But is your faith rooted in the scientific method and in man's ability to reason his way through everything? Or is your faith grounded in the everlasting love of Jesus Christ? In a God who is immovable, who is eternal, who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where is your faith grounded? It matters where your faith is anchored. And where is the source of your wisdom? We all have wisdom that we believe to be true, but what's the source of your wisdom? Is it your brother-in-law, your best friend? Is it your schooling? What is the source of your wisdom? Or is it an eternal God who is the righteous judge, who is above all things, who it says we sing songs about him, who is the king above all kings, who knows all, he is omniscient, who is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. Where is your wisdom coming from? It matters. It matters because there are consequences to anchoring your faith in, in something that is not stable and sourcing your wisdom from the crowd. I love this scripture in Joshua 1.9. It's one that I stand on often. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. This is right before Joshua finally does go into the promised land. Having experienced all the craziness and the mayhem of the last 40 years, Joshua's standing again, again, with the command of the Lord to enter the promised land. And God is saying to him these words, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged. And listen to the last part of the scripture. And this is where the power of this scripture comes. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. God didn't say, for a great army is with you. Be strong and courageous, for Caleb's with you. Be strong and courageous, for, you know, there are other people, a lot, your wife's with you. What? No, he said, for I am with you. It matters who says it. It matters who you believe. It matters who you step out in faith for. And when God says be strong and courageous, he is coming with the weight of the wisdom of eternity. And you can trust him. His love that is unshakable, immovable, cannot be taken away from you, will not stop, that you cannot run away from his love that is holding you like an anchor in the storm. His wisdom that is a source that cannot be, cannot be fully discovered. That is the power that when God says, I am with you, he is with you. The most, one of the most powerful names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God 
with us. And through this whole season, often, probably three or four times a week, I write this in pen on my hand. You are with us. You are with us. Because if you are with us, who can be against us? If you are with us, I have everything I need. Number seven, faith without works is dead. Wisdom without works is a nice quote. And one of my defining questions that I have, I I have a few questions at any given time that I'm really trying and struggling to answer. Questions that I'm wrestling with and I don't know the answer to. And so I kind of look for clues in articles I read or conversations I have and I use them and I put them back and I go and research and try to answer those questions. And one of those questions for me is this, how do I prepare my kids for the world they are going to live in? This is not a one word answer, folks. How do I prepare my kids for the world they are going to live in because their future is going to be very different from my present? How do I give them, how do I impart to them some transcendent truth, some some faith that will hold them no matter what the circumstance? How, how, God? And I'm here to tell you it's not by putting them through some theological training school. And that's beautiful, and I love that. I did some college and biblical training myself, but it's not to do some neat workbook Bible study with them. You know how you prepare your kids for the world they're gonna live in? Show them. Show them what it looks like to walk in wisdom and faith. Show them, because if you don't show them, the faith they see without works is dead religion. And the wisdom they see without works is just a nice quote to roll their eyes at. And the more you talk and the less you show them, this religion will become worthless to them. This faith that you have, speaking in words but not living with your life, will become a roadblock for them walking in truly godly wisdom and faith. Guys, if you wanna know, if I wanna know what to do, then my words have to match my actions. Then one of the big things for us was like, I don't want to look back in five or 10 years and my kids ask me, why didn't we go? And I have to explain to him, well, daddy just didn't have the faith he needed. Daddy just didn't trust God. But instead, I want my kids to, to look at our lives and I want them to see, you know what? Mommy and daddy believe the things that they say. You know what? I can trust him too. That is the power of faith with works is alive. Wisdom with works is truth that will feed your soul. That will guard your steps. That will keep you on the path. Because here's what I desire most for you today is that you get out of the gift shop. Get out of the visitor center. And start your journey to the summit. Take the step of faith. Some of you are sitting around in the visitor center and that is just, guys, you're worshiping comfort. Stop worshiping comfort. It is a meaningless and empty pursuit. Take the step of faith that God has put in your heart, but balance that with godly wisdom. Seek him. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask and I will give to him without finding fault. 
And one of the big questions I've asked God over these past few years is, God, would you just show me the map? Right? You've asked God that, right? God, just show me the map. I just, I'll follow you anywhere, God. I'll do anything you want me to do, but just show me the map, please. I just don't want to be here wandering around in the wilderness. Just show me the map. And God says, no, you don't need a clear view of the map. What you need is a clear view of me. Guys, you don't need a clear view of the map today. If you have a clear view of God, seek a clear view of God. He is the source of the wisdom and this power behind the faith that he is calling you to. Because if you have him, you have all that you need. And those are not just empty words, guys. Those are not just empty words. I'm saying to you, I'm doing my best to live those before my children and my wife and all of you, that my faith would not be dead, but it would be so alive that it would be infectious. And that in wisdom, God would give us the opportunity to share the gospel with people around the world who have seen nothing but dead religion. God, bring it to life and let it come alive in me, Jesus. So I want you to stand with me. And I don't know what God's stirring in your heart today. Maybe you're just like, maybe you need to make that step of faith or maybe you're just feeling that pressure of where that line is. And I just want to encourage you guys. If you've gotten it wrong, if you felt like you've gotten the balance wrong in your life, the best place to start is with confession. And repentance. God, I have anchored my faith in something other than you. God, I have, I have walked in my wisdom and I have refused yours. God, forgive me. We're going to take a moment and we're, the table of the Lord is open. There's communion here. What a great reminder to us of the sacrifice that Jesus made, of the example we have in him of, of faith. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.